0: Before we begin, let us all take a moment to pay homage to the Most Magnificent One, the Fully Awakened One, the Enlightened One, the Infinitely Compassionate, the Infinitely Merciful, our Teacher, our Master, our Guide, the Supreme Buddha.
1: And as
2: we do so, let us also remind ourselves that this is a moment, an opportunity to renew our oath, to free ourselves from suffering, to redeem ourselves from samsara, to achieve liberation, as well as to help others do the same along the way. Let us take a moment to bring our hands together
0: in veneration of the Supreme Buddha.
3: Namo Thasse Bhagaveto Arhato Samma Sambuddhase Namo Thasse Bhagaveto Arhato Samma Sambuddhase Namo Thasse Bhagaveto Arhato
0: as people who are extremely keen on doing something useful and purposeful with their lives which is
2: why i believe you're here you want to do something different to what you've always been doing as you have seen something you have seen the metaphorical light at the end of the tunnel.
0: You want to achieve something with your lives. This is why the things that you do have taken a different shape. I know that a lot of you put meticulous effort and think carefully about all the opportunities that come your way to engage in tremendous amounts of merit.
2: I'm convinced of that, as I have seen that and have heard of it, of all the things that you, all of you, right from the youngest member of the audience to the most senior, you've really put in a lot of effort and you strive to engage in as numerous as possible meritorious deeds
0: in the name of Nibbana. It is important that we make sure that we approach it correctly. That you have your mind set appropriately them because it is your thinking
2: that takes you closer to nibbana not necessarily the actions that you take in other words your intention is your nibbana just as your intention is karma it is your intention that takes you to nibbana
0: now i was thinking to the i was
2: thinking this to myself as i was walking into the room two gentlemen, they welcomed the Swami Nuhansi, washed his feet,
0: wiped, and as he walked in, they paid, his, they paid their respects. I
2: needed to step beyond the conceptualization that this is a person who you have simply welcomed into this room. In every waking moment, in every activity that you do because that is a tremendous meritorious deed indeed and you know that which is why you take you make effort and you want to take and get involved in that but in these moments i want you to take another step forward i want you to be more insightful about what goes on because you see it's not necessarily the things that we do that has to change we'll go about doing the same things you will this is not the first time you've done this and this may not be the last time you do it you've done it plenty of times before even before you started listening to the dhamma if you remember the first time you might have engaged in that gesture perhaps you invited some monks for an for an almsgiving to your home maybe for a sermon and the monks turned up, you did what you had to do, but perhaps back then you were not so keen on Nibbāna, maybe even even not so keen on listening to the Dhamma. You arranged it, you invited everyone, and then everyone else in the town, village, they came to listen to the Dhamma, and your duty then was to entertain everyone. If you remember those days, cooking, Uh, hospitality you know all that making sure that everyone had a good time and that it was an event that people would talk about for weeks on so perhaps the householder was not available to listen to the Dhamma maybe the Swami Nuhansai was looking around for him but realised today is not his day or her day but today Things need to be different. As you do the same deed, I need you to take another step forward in your thinking. Is this a Swami Nuhanse's feet that you're washing? Is this a Swami feet that you're wiping dry? In every possible moment, at least when you're at the monastery, because you're here for Nibbana, right? Saturday is your Nibbana day, right? Remember? So when you are here for Nibbana, experience Nibbana. Nibbana is an experience. It is the experience of being free from suffering. Not necessarily physical suffering. You can be in the most excruciating pain and still be experiencing Nibbana, can't you? That is an art. That is what we are trying to achieve here. You know I can't stop you from Falling victim to old age, disease, decay and eventually death. I can't stop you from, I can't stop any of that from happening. You will all walk that way and you'll all fall victim to that.
0: But what I can help you do is to keep a straight mind. What I can help you do is to not personify that pain.
2: Help your mind be free when such things happen in life because that is inevitable. So as you invite the Swami Nuhansi, maybe offer some water, maybe arrange a seat.
0: Go beyond seeing that this is a person, a
2: human being, a monk and we have invited him for a Sermon, we have invited him for an almsgiving, go
0: beyond that whenever possible. This is what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is a fancy word for Yonis or Manisikara. But hardly anyone realizes that's what mindfulness is. You do, but not many others.
2: Guru Swami Nasi talked about it, I think, in a recent sermon. A lot of people believe that mindfulness is just being aware of what's going on. Well, yes, in a very mundane sense. I mean, even a robber is aware of what's going on, isn't he? That's being mindful then. A soldier in the battlefield with his gun pointed at his enemy, right? He won't even flick. No movement, dead-on, his target, I just waiting for the right moment to pull that trigger. No, come on, you can't get more mindful than that. But what is that mindfulness for?
0: To cause destruction,
2: death. Every moment he waits there, waiting to pull that trigger, is a moment in which he accumulates demerit. In the name of the country, in the name of the nation, in the name of its citizens, yes, I'll agree. But nonetheless, that is mindfulness geared towards a wrongful deed. When you look at it from the lens of the Buddha Dhamma. But that is not the mindfulness I'm sure you want to achieve. Because someone who was truly mindful would not be on a battlefield with a gun.
0: they'll be in the battlefield with the Dhamma.
2: If you're mindful, you're in a battlefield right now. The Dhamma is your weapon. Your defilements are your enemies. Jati is your enemy. Ignorance is your enemy. Attachment is your enemy. And if you're in that mind... If you're in that battlefield now, now you're mindful. So mindfulness, as I say, is uh, is how today people refer to. People don't know this. They think mindfulness is just being aware at the present moment, living in this moment, just being aware that there are lots of people here, lots of people there. So I'm in Aussie doing a sermon. Let's not start, you know, in our minds going home and thinking about what we have to do tomorrow, plans for the weekend. You know, people think that is what mindfulness is all about, just being present in this in this moment. So it is hugely underrated. Mindfulness is a very important thing and you, without it, you can't attain it. That much I'll give you. You need it, but you need the right kind of mindfulness. Sometimes people invite us to go to schools, workplaces and various places and talk to people about mindfulness, but I'm not sure people are ready to hear what we have to say about mindfulness. They'll say mindfulness will help you to overcome stress, exam stress. Stress of what's to come, fear. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Because if when you are mindful, then at that moment, at least, there is no ignorance in the mind. At least that is suppressed. No attachment. Therefore, no jati. Therefore, no 11 great fires. Therefore, there's no stress. Yep. But to be in that state of mindfulness, first you have to have achieved samaditti, which is right view. In other words, you have to have become at least a sotapanna, Because it is one who has seen the Dhamma, is one who can truly be mindful. Any other person claiming to be mindful is simply, all they're doing is focusing on one object. focus Trying to keep their focus on one event, one situation, one something. A period of time. While that is good practice, it doesn't take you any closer than you are to Nimbana. So, my ask of you is whenever you engage in the meritorious deeds that you are doing, be that at home, while you're here at the monastery,
0: at least while you're here, make every possible effort to be mindful. Mindfully aware. That is what you need to be. Mindfully aware of what, you're, what you see in front of you. Mindfully aware of what you're hearing. Mindfully aware of what you're eating. Mindfully aware of where you're going, what you're doing. Mindfully aware.
2: These sermons are to help you become mindful. In fact, become aware, I suppose. I can give you the awareness. You need to do the mindfulness. So one that's the two combine, now you have: mindful awareness. I can make you aware of something you might not be. If you see, for example, a man, I can help you become aware that what you're seeing, what you're looking at, is not really a man. It is simply an aggregation of name and form, or Nama and Rupa. Or in other words, this is simply a
0: manifestation of Nama and Rupa.
2: This is not a fixed entity that you're looking at. Because once you see a fixed entity, now you have various expectations of a fixed entity. You expect to have a relationship with that entity. Whatever that relationship might be. Friends, cousins, relations, so on. You expect that entity to behave in a certain way.
0: You know, just think about it. You don't
2: like a friend to cheat on you, do you? Or to lie to you? That can be heartbreaking, can't it? Say when a close friend, a good friend, might come and lie to you and then you're heartbroken. You might ask, why did you do that? You know, you're my friend. I thought we were friends, you'll say. I thought you were my best friend, but
0: you stabbed me in my back. You cheated on me. Why did you do that? See if you can work out the answer to that question. In fact, the answer is in the question. You're my friend. So why did you do something like that? Now, show me friend. Show me your friend.
2: When you say, someone is your friend, right now, this Dhamma will make your whole world fall apart. Is that alright? Do I have your permission to proceed? Hmm? Where you will be friendless after that. Is that okay?
1: Hmm?
2: Is it already like that? <laughs> since you started coming here? <laughs> huh? Remember one of those early sermons, I used to go on, go on about the fact that Buddhism is not about letting go. Hmm? Buddhism is not about letting go. Buddhism is about gaining an awareness. Once you do that, you realize there is nothing to let go. Nothing was yours to let go.
0: So then what's there to let go? If nothing's
2: yours, then what's there to let go? You know, if you just think about it, we're all born into this world and there are various things that we make use of survive for the period that we are alive, right? And when it's time, do you even take your body with you? No, not a single strand of hair, right? So none of
0: it is yours. So is that letting go then?
2: When you when you pass away? It wasn't yours. It was simply there for your use, but wasn't yours your house is not yours if it was then you would be taking it with you wouldn't you your car is not yours your children are not yours what about your body your teeth are they yours your hair your muscles and your bones are they yours no but what do people fight for hmm? why do people get into arguments and you know they brawl with each other and then they get locked in prison and even in prison you know people they say this is my prison cell Come on, <laughs> even in prison, right, They'll have, you'll have prison inmates who will claim this is my prison cell, you get out, this is my prison cell. The very place that they want to get out of, they've made theirs. That's, you know, this mind is such a trickster. It's not the mind, in fact, it's ignorance. When ignorance infiltrates the mind, you don't know what the mind is capable of.
0: All sorts of mischief. And that's what's happening. So, what's there for you to let go? What is yours to let go? Nothing. So, if you see a man,
2: it's my duty to help you become aware that there is no man there for you to see. All there is is a manifestation.
0: So when you see a man, a person, you can't help but thinking that
2: there is an actual person out there. Yeah? You feel this is my friend or my enemy. I was talking about the example where you might tell a friend, why did you do that to me? I never thought you'd do that to me. The question is, why did you never think they would do that to you? You think they'd never do that to you because you think that's your friend. Meaning, there's a combination of name and form, a manifestation, right? At this moment in time, there's a package. And you set all your expectations, you project all your expectations on that bundle. And then you say, I don't expect that bundle to cheat on me or to lie to me. But this one, yes, possibly, because that's my enemy, not my friend. Used to be friends, but he cheated on me. Then our friendship was no longer. So he's done that to me before. Therefore, I expect him to do it again. How so? Just because something does it once doesn't mean it's going to do it again. But we think like that. You know, if there was a, say, imagine
0: you have a mango tree at home. Hmm? If
2: every season you get mangoes. You know one season, two seasons. Now you expect that the next season you're going to get mangoes, don't you? So if the tree doesn't give you mangoes, what do you do? You walk up to the tree and you say, Oi!
0: I expect you to give me mangoes. Why do you say that? Because
2: You saw it happen once, you saw it happen a second time. Now in your mind, you have projected a journey for this tree. You have fixed that tree. It has become a mango giving tree in your mind.
0: Now here's expectation.
2: You can't expect anything of something that is not fixed. In other words, when you realize that all things are simply manifestations, it, is, it only manifests in that given moment. So how do you set an expectation on what's going to happen in the next? Don't worry, I'll simplify this for you, right? I'm, I'm going to break. This is, this is like high level. Then we go down and break it down for you. Don't worry. I can see some of your faces.
0: Expectations are the result of not being aware, simple as. You only
2: expect when you project something. You, when you project, an expectation is simply a projection really. Put it that way. An expectation
0: is a projection of your mind.
2: Let's take the simplest example. This pen. What do you expect this pen to be able to do? Hmm. How many times have you been wrong?
0: Hmm? (laughs) Plenty of times? Yeah. Why? Because you expect this to be a pen. You expect this
2: to write. You expect that there are all the causes in here which should allow and permit you and facilitate and enable you so that when you pull this cap out and start scribbling on the board, then there should be a mark. You expect that. This pen is not here to fulfill your expectations, I'm afraid.
0: Dream on, baby. That's not what this is here for. In fact, this is not even a pen. You call this a pen because you think you can write with it. When you know that you can no longer write with this, what do
2: you do with it? Perhaps you'll throw it, or maybe you might use it as a stopper. Hmm? Like think about the uh, exercise machine you have at home. Let's not go there, Swami so answer. <laughs> must we go there, Swami so answer. Yes, yes, we must go there. Hmm? Remember that cycling machine you have? The walker? Hmm? What do you use it for now? Hmm? That's where you put your clothes out to dry, right? So it's no longer a cycling machine for you. In other words, you don't expect it to function as a cycling machine or a walker. Because when it's, when you,
0: the day you bought it though, the day
2: you bought it, if you got on it and started walking and the machine didn't work, what would you have done? You'd, rung the, you'd have rung the uh, manufacturers or the place you bought it from and you'd have, you'd have complained to them, this thing doesn't work. I paid so much for it, right? I bring it home, I plug it and it doesn't work. Right? Give me a replacement. So you bought it home, you got on it, you started walking on it, and it worked, therefore it's still there. But how long did you use it for that purpose? Maybe at best a few months. After that, it just became dead weight.
1: Hmm?
2: Just like what happened to you when you stopped getting on that bike. Dead weight. But now, you don't have that expectation of it. Yes, of course, you know it's a bike, and that's what it's meant for. But... Because you don't project that expectation on it. Until and unless you actually feel like, you know, at least this year, I want to start working out a little bit. You know, that happens every new year, doesn't it? New year, goals, how long do they last? Until the heat of the new year has passed away. Yeah. So you get on that bike, dust it out, get on it and start working on it. You know, maybe grease the wheels a little bit and then you know, you know maybe something's wrong with it, then you take it to the electrician, you get it fixed, right? service it, and then you start running on it. Again, two to three weeks later, it goes back to its old function of serving as a cloth rack.
1: Hmm?
2: So, why do you expect it to function as a cycle or a, or a walker? Because that is what you expect of it. In other words, these are your projections on outside manifestations. None of your projections are there in the outside world because your projections are projections of the mind. When you project them though onto manifestations on the outside world, now you have expectations. See if you can try and make sense of what I'm
0: trying to explain to you here.
2: Think about Some of the times when you become upset about something. Your upset is always when your expectations are not fulfilled. There's no other way to be upset. There's only one way to be upset. That is when your expectations go unfulfilled. This pen is not meant to be a pen. You expect it to be a pen. So much so that if someone didn't know what this was, hmm, would they expect to be able to write with it? because they don't project a pen in this manifestation. They might think this is a toy. That's why, you know, with young children, things that you find or think are precious, you know, if you're not careful, then they will start and make use of as playthings. They'll start playing with them. They'll think they're toys to play with. And that's when you have to have these lessons at home, right? Buddha, this is not a toy. Hmm? This is Tati's watch. It's a Rolex. You'd be like, what's a Rolex?
0: <laughs> it's not a toy.
2: Because they don't expect what you expect out of it. To them, it's simply a manifestation. Because in the world out there, there are only manifestations. Why is it that
0: a poor man and a rich man, they both die? Why do you think that is? Poor men die, rich men die. What do you think that is? A poor man becomes hungry and a rich man becomes hungry.
2: Absolutely, because all there is on the outside are manifestations. To Mother Nature, it doesn't matter what expectations you set on them. Because this man is a king, this man is a beggar, this man is a poor man, this man is a rich man, none of those things exist in the outside world. These are all formations of your own mind that you project onto manifestations on the outside. But out there, no such expectations exist. Therefore, what has to happen to a body has to happen to a body. What has to happen to a mind has to happen to a mind. You know the Buddha passed away, you know that, right? How? Why? He shouldn't have. Should he? When the Buddha informed the Venerable Ananda Thera, Ananda, you know, my time is up. Three months from today, I'm going to my final (coughs) resting place. And at that moment, Ananda Thera was shocked. And he said, Sir, please don't do that. You must live on for the good and benefit of mankind. Please live on till you are 120 at the very least, most venerable sir. The reason for this is because Ānanda Thero sees a Buddha, whereas nature simply sees a body. That's just a manifestation. Because all bodies, meaning all things that come together, must disperse and pass away. Because all there is are manifestations. Manifestations will only exist until the causes for those manifestations remain. And once those causes have ceased to exist, those manifestations will cease to exist. This is the concept of arising and passing away. This is what anicca is. But when we don't see this, we see combinations of things and then we package them up. Just like this pen. Remember last week? Right? The reason that this lid on another pen made you feel uncomfortable and unsettled was because you have packaged this up in this way. That is, a, that is a projection of your mind. If I came here one day with long hair or tied into a, what do you call them things? Bun. Yeah, a bun. What would you, how would you feel about that? So I'm walking in with a bun.
0: How do you feel about that? Very unsettling, wouldn't it? Hmm?
2: Why? Because that is not what you expect. In other words, this package has to come like this. You've bundled me up. This is the package that you expect.
0: So if I came here one day in uh, in a pair of trousers and a shirt, some of you would be shocked. See, I don't have permission to act freely, because you set expectations on me. In other words, you are not free, because you set expectations on things. If I am nature,
2: you are not happy with me. I don't know if you understand the profoundness of these words. I'm, I'm, these are, this is a gist of the Dhamma. Try and dig deep, right? And see how much of it you can make sense but I'll help you. I'll help you make sense of all of this. But each one, each man and woman to him or herself, because you all come here with an amount of wisdom. Through these talks, I help you to develop that faculty of wisdom, but you'll all come here with an element of it. So to whatever level of wisdom you have, to that degree, you will understand what I'm trying to express to you. I'm nature, but if this nature comes in a different configuration tomorrow, in a pair of trousers and a shirt, you're not happy to accept that because of your expectations. In other words, this Swamin Nuhansai that you refer to by a certain name has to be in this package. That is your expectation. Now, if you see me doing something, I'm not talking about unmeritorious things, not killing or stealing, even those things, I'm not going to go that far, but even those things. Right? if you see me beating someone up, just imagine that. You come in next Saturday, or let's say, you know, in two weeks' time, we don't have a sermon. I'll put that at the same time. We have an ordination ceremony, right? So in two weeks' time, not next week, the week after. So say you come for the ordination ceremony and you're there in the audience, right? One of the young Anagarika Buddhas, they come on stage. And I don't like him. Hmm? As he comes up to me, I give him a slap.
0: You're not okay with that, are you? What if you were the mother or the father of that child? Only it would make things worse, wouldn't it? You're not okay with that. What if I walked in here swearing?
2: These wretched people. Hmm? Or something along those lines. You wouldn't be happy with that because that doesn't fit with your packaging of this, these aggregation, aggregates. That's why when that light goes off, it bothers you. That's why earlier when you, when you heard a bottle fall and it made a clanging noise, it unsettled you because you don't expect that in the middle of a sermon. It upsets you meaning sight, sound, smell, taste, touch and even thoughts you project your expectations on them because you take them as one unit because when it's not a unit when it's not one entity you can't set expectations on it you don't set expectations on it expectations can only be something just think about it by by its very definition what is an expectation it is something that will go to plan and that plan is a function of time isn't it you you don't expect anything in the past your expectations are all in the present to the future yes or no it's always from the present to the future meaning what manifests today has to manifest tomorrow meaning what is today has to be tomorrow because you you know when you ignore manifestation what you see is what is here today has to be there tomorrow. When you bought your new car, just think about it. As uh, you as you drove it out of the showroom, as you drove it home, right? You didn't expect those dents that you have on it today, right? The scruffs that you have on the on the wheels as you you know try to park by the curb or whatever. That's why if you ever, if so, you know if you ever opened a door and you know you, that door banged on someone else's door or something, right? Or maybe you you reversed your car and that bumped into a wall or something, now immediately you get out of the car, you walk around and look at your bumper. And when you see that dent, how does that make you feel? Very upsetting. Imagine when you've just washed your car. Uh, this is, if you have that feeling, right? you've just washed the car, and right? you've soaped it, shampooed it, washed it, cleaned it, wiped it dry, and then, thank you sir. That the, a crow that had and they, had not, they didn't have another place to be at that time. Right? Of, of all the places he could have been at that time when he needed to go to the toilet, right? he thought it would be a good idea to fly over your car. Go back in your mind to that feeling. How, you, how you felt at that moment when you saw that on your windscreen? Hmm? You didn't like it. Because a washed car is an expectation that you project onto the car means it has to be clean at least for a few hours now you know of course that it's going to be dirty again but you can't stop yourself from expecting those things out of it because you fix it what you don't realize at that moment is this is simply the manifestation at this moment At this moment, in the next moment, you expect it to be the same as you see in this moment. That's the problem. That is why you have a problem with people aging. You know, if if you remember the first time you saw a grey hair, either on your chest or on your face or on your head, right? That unsettled you. Perhaps you, you know, laughed it out. Hmm? You said, ah, that's right. You know, it's old age. Maybe you even called everyone at home. Come, 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 putasi. That is aging. Or maybe you just had a laugh about it. Or perhaps, you know, quietly you just plucked it out so that no one would see it. Because it doesn't fit with that image that you have in your mind. That image is a fixed image. This is called the Upadana Rupa. A fixed image. A fixed image of a sound, a fixed image of a sight, smell, taste, touch and so on. Therefore you have Panchupadana.
0: This is how jati is formed.
2: Your projections are only projections in your own mind, ladies and gentlemen. But when you start to expect them of the outside world, now what happens is disappointments. That is why you say, life is sometimes like a living hell. Nothing works out the way I want it to. You complain about that. When your children misbehave, it bothers you. When things don't go to plan, it bothers you. Who said things have to go to your plan? Hmm? Who said so? Ah, then sometimes people will go and you know, argue and debate and fight with their friends or relations, neighbors. Others will go to the temple, maybe go to the coville or go to the church right, or to the mosque and ask God for an explanation. God,
0: how dare you do this? Bhagavan, tu kyakaru. God, why do you do this?
2: See, you even set expectations on God. And apparently, He's the Almighty. Surely, if anyone should be setting expectations, it should be God on you, not you on God.
0: Don't you agree? Who gave you the right to set expectations on God? He's your creator. You didn't create him, or did you?
2: I want you to open your eyes and start thinking about these things. You know, what, do you, what, what is this life that you live, right? How do you, why, do you, why do you go through these things? You know, what are the, some of the experiences you have and how does suffering come into being? You know, I hope, you're, I hope you're finding answers in the things that I'm sharing with you today. This is to open your perspective on life.
0: Take a broader perspective on life. Not meant to insult anyone. How else can you have happiness, right?
2: Happiness that we prefer to as pleasure. Because when you don't have any expectations, that state of mind is happiness. A mind that does not expe- expect is a mind that is happy. This is That is a very different happiness to the happiness that people seek by setting expectations and waiting for that expectation to manifest or to realize, to come true. That is what we call pleasure. So pleasure can only exist when you have a fixed entity in your mind. Because what is pleasure after all? You set an expectation and an expectation is fulfilled. Expectations are set on fixed entities. Not outside your projection of of a fixed entity you know when you say when you get into a relationship with with someone you know your girlfriend boyfriend whoever right now don't you project a whole series of expectations on them the whole bucket list of it like they have to talk like this they have to walk like this they have to smile like this they have to sing like this they have to hold your hand like this they have to be with you like this they have to cook like this and sleep like this right they have to do all sorts of things according to your expectation. In other words, you know, you're creating hell for you. That's what you're doing. All the while you're thinking, I'm bringing into my life the source of my happiness. You call her your bundle of joy. Hmm? Maybe your little kid. But the moment a child comes into this world, the mother holds the child in his, his her hands, right? And then says what? You are my bundle of joy. Right? What do you do? You set a myriad of expectations on that child because you think this is my child and my child should be like me, right? And my, I have all these expectations on my child. He's well-educated, should, should educate himself, you know, should be good, should be virtuous, should be, should be nice and generous and kind to everyone. All those expectations, all there is is simply a manifestation of a mind and a body in that moment. Who gave you the authority to set those expectations?
0: Problem is, when you do things over and beyond your authority, now you are stepping into God's territory. That is the forbidden garden. If you step beyond your level of authority, right? God gave you this to make use of it, not to set expectations on it. Think about what I'm saying right now.
2: I want you to think deep. I don't take it just at the superficial level. I, I, want to, I want you to feel those cogs turning in your mind. God gave you this pen or this
0: thing to make use of it. Not to set expectations on it. If you use it for what it is, right?
2: there is no suffering. If you set expectations on it, all you've done is create suffering. Why do you set expectations on it? Because you project penness to this. Now from then on it's a pen and a pen in your thinking should write. But then you ask, well does it not write? Yes it does. Because writing is a manifestation. The manifestation of writing is simply the causes present in that moment. That is why at some point, when you start drawing something with this, at some point it's going to stop. Yeah? So that's not a pen that used to write that, has, that is no longer writing. But we feel that way because we project a journey for this over a period of time. You know, we project a future. If I asked you, you now, say, for example, if you when you want to buy a pen, you might you might look at how much how much ink it holds. Right? If you go to the shop and you buy a pen, you might ask them, "You know how long can you can you write with one of these? How many hours of writing can you get with this? You're asking this question because you want this pen to be a pen for the foreseeable future. When you buy something, you ask for the warranty period, don't you? Hmm? Why, think about it. <laughs> When you, buy the, when you bought that washing machine, right, you ask the, the, the salesman or that TV, you ask the salesman, what is the warranty period on this? In other words, what you're asking is, how much of a period can I set an expectation on this? And if it doesn't work out, you will make sure that my expectation is fulfilled and I'm willing to pay you for that. That's what you're saying. So if you, are, if you go buy a pen and you want a warranty period to come with that, what you're saying is, I need this to be a pen for at least that period of time. Because if it doesn't, then I'm going to be disappointed. Who said this was meant to write? Have you never bought a brand new pen and it didn't write? Never happened to you? So what, what, how do you feel at that time? Don't you feel a clash in your mind? What does your mind tell you at that time? This is a brand new pen. <laughs> So what's it supposed to do? Write. What does it not do? Everything but. See, now you're disappointed because in your mind, you've bought a pen that has to write. That was not what was really given to you. What was simply transferred was just Rupert. It didn't write even while he was at the shop. It didn't write because the, ma- the the causes that were present at that moment were not meant to make this a writing pen. That is why it never wrote. Even when it was at the shop, it didn't write. But you brought it home thinking that it was a pen that you could write with and then you started scribbling with it and nothing came out. And now you say, my pen doesn't write. And now you're disappointed. See, I'm taking several examples for you to start Thinking about why is it that you cause suffering in your lives through expectation. Your child is a source of disappointment for you when you set expectations on that child. But what is a child after all? It's simply a mind and body. A body that is a manifestation in the present moment and a mind that is a manifestation in the present moment. But there are various things that go into that manifestation. That I'll give you, right? So if the body...
0: This child, we know its body, mind. We know the composition of a body. Right? There are various things that go into making a body. We studied that for chemistry, biology. Okay. We study the composition of a body for science, chemistry, biology, physics and so on. See if you can start to spot the mind as a manifestation. What brings forth a mind? A simple example would be
2: sound and ear. Right? And there, coming together gives rise to a single moment of consciousness. But that's not all. When the mind is born, so when that is that is a sound wave, when the mind is born, right? Now you have also memories. There's a memory bank referred to in the Pali as Nama Then there is Drushti, various views that the mind has taken on board. So what you see here is that born out of this, and the Drushti or the views, right? All this together. What you see here is a soup of all these factors coming together. These are all these ingredients and this is the effect of all of these causes. Now I want you to start to see the mind as a series of cause and effect. This will help you to figure out why why people behave in certain ways and most of all why you behave in a certain way. As well as to try and help understand why your child doesn't do what you want it to do. Why your students don't do what you, want, what you want them to do? Why your husband doesn't do what you want him to do? Why your wife doesn't do what you want her to do? And so on. The mind was not meant to do what you want it to do. That's why even your mind doesn't do what you want it to do. Does it? Does your mind always do what you want it to do? But that doesn't stop you from expecting both your mind as well as that of others to do what you want them to do, right? For
0: instance, say, um,
2: okay, so say you want to uh, give up a habit, some habit, whatever habit, right? You want to give up a habit, but now you want to be able to do that, but you can't. So in other words, your mind is not doing what you want it to do. But if you ask someone who has done that previously, they'll tell you, right, follow this procedure. You know, this is a habit. You can break that habit. To break this habit, do this. What they're doing is, essentially, they're giving you views. They're putting stuff into your memory, right? And they're conditioning your mind so that at some point in the future, that habit will be broken or replaced by another habit. Simple example, let's say. Let's say you're a smoker. Okay, let's say you're a smoker. And one fine day, you realize that smoking is bad for you. Now you want to give it up. You want to give it up, but the thought itself is not enough. You still want to have a smoke. Now when you have that smoke, you know that you don't want to do it. There's a voice at the back of your mind going, stop it, let's not do this. You know, why again? I thought we we promised last time, right? This is when you start to feel there's a subconscious and, you know, the other conscious, you know, the forethought and the band and and, and the subconscious, now you have that collision, that, that conflict. So the back of your mind, you're saying, let's stop this. I don't want to do this. But the conditions of the mind at that moment urge you to do it. Meaning your mind is not receptive to what you're saying, what you want it to do. It's not obedient. Yeah, Your mind is not obedient to you. The reason for that is because it's not your mind. It is not here to fulfill your expectations. Now for this, you know, for the... For the purpose of this example, I want you to think of you and your mind as two separate things. So you can understand what I'm trying to explain to you here. You set expectations on your mind, but your mind is not prepared to fulfill them. Because your mind is not here to fulfill your expectations. It is simply a manifestation of the causes that are present at that time. What causes? Views, memories, and whatever the object that was, that brought that mind into life. So along the same lines, you'll have other people who, don't, who are not obedient to you. Your children may not be obedient to you. Your students may not be obedient to you. Your husband might not listen to what you have to say. Your wife may not be obedient to you because that is not your husband. That is not your wife. It is simply a mind and a body. A mind did not come into this world to be obedient to you or to fulfill your expectations. A mind is simply a mechanism. A mechanism that brings into life views, memory, and comes into being to simply serve a a purpose. And that purpose being to recognize, to respond, to receive, to register, to perceive a sound, smell, taste, touch, or thought. That's all a mind is. It's not here to fulfill your expectations. Just like your mind is not here to fulfill your expectations. It's like a
0: robot really. People talk about artificial intelligence. Yeah? Your intelligence
2: is also artificial. The only thing that you have that a robot is never going to have is ignorance and attachment. It can be made ignorant of worldly things that it can be made ignorant of. In other words, you know that this is not a pen, this is a, a plate. Yeah, you, could, you could feed that kind of sort of data to a computer. So now whatever it knows and understands about a plate, it's gonna try and do out of this. But a computer can never be made to think
0: that this world is pleasurable. It cannot be made to think that because You
2: can't feed that sort of thing into a computer because such a thing doesn't exist. You know, you can't make happen in the physical world something that is not possible. Ignorance and attachment are simply... They're like hallucinations. Just like you can't make a robot see a ghost or maybe, what do you call it, uh, you know, uh, see a hallucination, I suppose is probably the best way of putting it. See a hallucination. You can't make a robot see a hallucination because a hallucination is not something that exists, really. You can't get a robot or a computer to think the world as being pleasurable. It's not possible. You can feed it data to do what a normal human being might do when they think that the world is pleasurable. But you can't get the robot to think that the world is pleasurable. You can only feed it instructions to do, I think the world is pleasurable, therefore I do these things. Now you go do those things. You can get the robot to do that, but not to think that the world is pleasurable. What people believe is, as artificial intelligence is partly that. You know, It's to be able to compute various sources of information, right? combine and, com- and, and transform pieces of data into information and try and make sense of the world. All of that a computer can do, because that's how you perceive the world. You know, you project penness, as I said earlier, to this. That's because you think with this you can write. Now can't you instruct a robot to do the same? Of course you can. And whatever you can do with this physical object, this weight, this size, right, this shape, whatever things can be achieved from that, you can instruct a robot to be able to do that. All of that is possible, but what you can't get it to do is to think that this is a pleasurable object. Therefore you can't get a robot to be attached to something, but you can get it to display and demonstrate behaviors. If you're attached to this, perhaps you hold it. Now you can get a robot to hold it, but it's not because of attachment. Attachment cannot be formed in the mind of a robot. Why am I talking about robots? I don't know. Come back to this. Ah, yes, because I want to explain to you that all you are is a manifestation. A manifestation of a body and a manifestation of a mind. Now, we talked about the example of that scene, that first gray hair. Hmm?
0: So, this was you as a kid. You grew up, teenager, middle aged, right? Now, here's what you see into the future. This is your, this is your journey, isn't it? Hmm? That is your journey from birth to
2: death. In this journey, there are various milestones. This is why you say I was, a, I was an infant or a baby at some point, then I was a child, then I was a teenager, I was middle-aged, I was an elderly person, then I started growing really old, senile, and at some point you know, I, became, I was bedridden, couldn't go about, do things, and then one day, you wouldn't be able to say it, but someone else will, you died. But you see this journey happening to others, therefore you know that this is the inevitable that's going to happen to you. You see that this journey happens to you. Don't you? So each of you are somewhere on this journey, aren't you? See if you can spot yourself where you might be on this journey. Some will be along, along here. Huh? Some will be around here. Some will be around here. Hopefully we won't have any of these today. Hmm? <laughs> Hopefully. Not today at least. Wait till tomorrow for that. Or at least until you leave the monastery. Uh, think about it. right? And then, well, you know, for those who believe in rebirth, they, they, this journey doesn't stop. That's does it? Because then after that, you have what happens after this. right? Then you have the spirit.
0: This is, this is the spirit, you.
2: Mm-hmm. You yeah. as a bhutya. Right? And then you roaming around. Right, Looking for uh, another place or another mother to come into uh, their womb, or maybe you know you become go and become a deva, you know, whatever however devas look. Hmm? Or maybe uh, you know in in some ways you can say, you know, I'm going to be a dog, right? If you do unmeritorious deeds, right, or a demon.
1: Hmm?
0: And then
2: again, maybe someday you become a human being and then go back through that cycle, right? So you're in, an never, you're in a never-ending cycle, right? This is what people think is samsara. This is what people think is samsara. This cycle of rebirth and death and rebirth and death and rebirth and death. And then some people will say, I don't believe in this stuff. This is nonsense. You know, nothing happens after death. I was born, yes. I grew up, yes. Middle age, yes. Old age, yes. I died, I will die, yes, but nothing after that. Uh, anything else is nonsense. Because if there is, show me. Others will say, Well, that's because you're ignorant. You don't know what happens after you're dead, right? You go and become a spirit, you become a deva if you've done good deeds, you become a an in an, an animal or a or or a demigod if you become, you know, if you've done unmeritorious deeds, you can become the devil, right? And then the devil come and get you, they put you into the into the pit of fire, huh? and you will burn right for a million years in the in the great hells, right? And then one day you'll come back again, hopefully. See, you're, all, you're you feel like you're in a journey, and this never-ending journey you say is sansara, until one day you get to listen to the dhamma, right? So Buddha comes along, right? The Buddha he preaches the dhamma. You listen to the dhamma. And then you understand, realize it, nibbana, right? And then one day you sit down under a tree, right? And then once you die, no more. That's where you stopped. So where did you start? Somewhere, long, long, long time ago, right? You say I came from wherever. We don't know where we came from, but we know we are going to where we're going to stop after attaining enlightenment. So you put yourself on a journey. Right, I have some news for you. Right? None of this has happened to you and none of this will happen to you. You are not on any journey.
0: You are simply asleep. So wake up. You are not on any journey. These are simply
2: manifestations of cause and effect. I'll tell you what happens though. <clears throat> each of these manifestations are a duality, a mind and a body. A body is formed because of the causes that come together to manifest as a body. Just like this plastic is today a pen, but maybe 200 years ago, or say 50 years ago, this plastic was a plastic bottle. right? Maybe 150 years from now, this plas- the same plastic will be an eraser, maybe a car. Maybe a cushion, right? So, but at this moment in time, the chemical compounds, the 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 elements in this, or the, um, yeah, the elements in this, they have come together in this configuration, this package, which you can now refer to as a pen. Your body is just like that. The most simple explanation and evidence I can give you of that is you are what you eat, right? So how so? You are what you eat because what you put in this becomes your body, your muscles, your bone, your tissues. Right? All of you, I mean, as in all of you, all, every, each and every part of you is what you put into your body. So therefore, what we see now is simply a manifestation of all those components. What about the mind then? The mind as we know, as we just studied a moment ago, comes into being when a faculty comes into contact with one of the sights, sounds, smell, taste or touch. At that moment, a thought is born, the mind is born, right? And when that mind is born, if ignorance and attachment are present, this is where the, the delimiter is. If ignorance and attachment are present, at that moment, you begin to feel That you are an entity. So let's imagine you're all here. This is your current state. At this moment in time, a thought is born. And if in that thought you have ignorance, in that thought you shall have attachment. And in that thought you shall have vexation. And in that thought you shall have relief from vexation, which is abhisankara. The process that you engage in to free yourself from vexation. And as a result of that process, what happens is the mind goes insane. That very mind that came into being to process that sound now goes insane. And the moment it goes insane, now, like baby Natasha was born to the mother who was crazy, you as a baby are born to the mind that's gone crazy. Now you begin to feel that you are a present and you are a sentient being. Once a sentient being is born, now the sentient being has a story to tell.
0: Because now you have
2: memory. That was always there. Yeah? So as you go into memory, now you, re- re- now you remember that there was a yesterday. Whose yesterday was that? That was my yesterday. Why is it my yesterday now? That is because of ignorance and attachment in this present moment, not the ignorance that was there in the previous moment. Why do I say that though? Why, what evidence do I have that it was not the ignorance from the previous moment that is affecting your, your, your thought that you know, it was my yesterday? What, is, what evidence can I give you of that? Remember one day when you're going to become an Arahant? Yeah? Doesn't the Arahant remember his past? But does he feel that it is my past? Or it was my past? No. So that is evidence, isn't it? That it was not the ignorance or the attachment from the previous moment that is affecting the mind now. As an arahant, because that mind is free of ignorance and because that mind is free of the need to form this jati, that mind does not look at or does not recall yesterday's events and say that they happened to me or it was me doing it. And arahant doesn't feel that way. But he knows that things happened. Things happened. There was a manifestation. The mind was manifested, a body was manifested, mind and body coming together, all that manifested, but it wasn't me and nothing happened to me. What you feel today, you're not going to feel as an arahant. Now, if this was your yesterday, then what about the day before yesterday? You were a child, weren't you? And then you'll say, I was a baby. And before that, I was a god. If you were able to look back into your past and go far, go that far, or if you are able to you know, go, you go and ask someone, right, a fortune teller maybe, and say, what's going to happen to me when I'm, when I'm gone? Let's say the Buddha was here and the Buddha was able to look into the karma that you have done and then predict where you're going to be born right, uh, in, in your next birth. The moment the Buddha says that, now you'll feel that it's me that's going to be a Deva. It's me that's going to be uh, an animal or so on. That's not what's happening. In fact, it, this is not the same person that walked into this room. That is not to say that you have changed by any means. You know, th- what I'm not... So what, I want to, what I want you to try and understand is this is not me talking about impermanence. I'm not trying to say that you have aged by an hour and a half. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say was there was no you to change over an hour and a half. The other day we were talking about the concept of change right, in one of our discussions. With the same nonsense. What do you think changes? We talk about change all the time, right? We say change is the only constant, and so on. The seasons change, don't they? Seasons change. Fashion changes. Hmm? You change. People change. Yeah. When we talk about change, can we talk about change? Madam. Yeah, absolutely, you know, change. Change is how we describe manifestations when we, when, we, when we lay time as a phenomenon on top of it. When we overlay time on manifestations, we say X has changed into Y. Yeah, because yeah, absolutely. It's only fixed things that can change. That's why you tell your friend, "I didn't expect this from you. You have changed." Hmm? You might have said this to some of your friends. You know, I didn't expect this from you. You know, remember when you were in school, right? You and I, we were best of friends. You've changed, man. I don't like who you are now. You've changed a lot. You've changed beyond recognition. You'll say. Meaning, there was a there's a fixed entity in your mind, and you. Anything that manifested, you projected it as a change to the original. But that never happened. That never
0: happened. When I, if I I start,
2: you know, so say, you know, say the time on the clock, right? It's now 8.30. Right? When I walked into this room, it was 7.30.
0: So what happened to this clock? Changed. If you are able to take each moment
2: on its own, each tick of this second arm, right? If you took each one on its own, without any connection or relation to the one before or to the one after, now what changed? Nothing changed. You can't talk about change. Change is not a phenomenon that you can talk about until and unless you fix things until and unless you project a fixed entity and now you start talking about what has changed. See? Changed. This is what people call impermanence. Understanding impermanence, this is why I say, is not the path to your liberation. If if you say Buddhism is about the, the, the principle of impermanence, you can't go very far with that. Because we talk about impermanence of fixed things. Fixed things are impermanent. That changed. It's like if you were to take a bit of string, right? And you tied it to something. This string, right? You pull it. Imagine there was an elastic and you pulled it, right? Now you say this is this distance from, from where it started. This distance is what you say has changed. When you let go of it, it returns to the original point. Your perception of change is like that because there's always this connection to this to the starting point. When you say someone has changed, you're talking about its manifestation in the present moment in connection to when it started or where it started to its original source, isn't it? Say you had, yeah absolutely, that's your that's your point of reference. You always have a point of reference when you're talking about change. The rate of change.
1: Okay.
2: Absolutely. When people talk about, in, even in physics, right, when people talk about change, in the lab, chemistry lab they talk about change. Right? When this chemical reacted with that chemical and turned into this chemical, what you're saying is it started with this and now it's that. I want you to start to see the world through a different lens. Because this is a story that we tell ourselves when we don't understand what's really going on. That is not what's happening. It's not uncooked rice when boiled in water that becomes cooked rice. That's not what's going on. That is simply a story that you tell when you don't understand the principle of manifestation and cause and effect. It is not uncooked rice that became cooked rice. At every given moment, what you had was cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect along the way say you know you put your rice in the cooker and you left it in the, in boiling water for say 20 minutes okay if you are able to break down those 20 minutes into
0: 20 minutes we break it down into minutes right imagine this is each of these is a minute now i'm going to magnify this so this is this and this is this
2: Right. Now you have we we say these are seconds. Okay. <clears throat> Let's take one of these and then magnify it further.
0: Can you still see? In the camera? Right, this is a this is
2: two minutes. Magnified it, zoomed in, right? You had seconds, and now you magnified it. Now you have say milliseconds. Right. If you want, you can magnify it again, and you you keep going. You're splitting it up until you go microseconds, yeah, uh, femtoseconds, attoseconds, and picoseconds, and so on. You can keep keep on digging, right? <clears throat> so what happened between two seconds? At this moment, you had rice. So this is the grain of rice, uncooked. At this moment, you had you have the rice that is cooked. Okay. Now you say, I left the rice in the rice cooker for 20 minutes and when I returned, the rice was cooked. So what you're saying is, this rice, when you give it 20 minutes, heat, you get this. That is not what's going on. Although you feel it that way. Because you feel it is this that turned into this. Meaning, like that string that is attached to the needle, you're pulling it so that you can tell a story. The relative? Yeah. You're talking about a relative change. Because change is always relative. You can't talk about change without the principle of relativity. So, when you talk about relative, you're talking about something that was fixed here and now that has changed. So, you see, if this was the, that, that grain of rice, now imagine there's a string, you're, 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 to, you're telling a story as it changed, right? So, as you drag it, now there are things that happened. <clears throat> there are things that happened Because of the causes that were present at that moment. Okay? Because of the causes that were present at that moment, various things happened. That's why, if you ran out of gas hmm, and the the cooker went off
0: at this point, right? at, at this point, now this is not going, you're not going to get cooked rice. 20 minutes is not going to give you cooked rice. Is 20 minutes going to give you a good price. No. What turns this to this? Tell me. What turns this
2: to this? Conventionally, if you spoke, you'll have to say heat. Right? Heat turns this to this. And what turns this to this? Heat again. that turns this to this? Heat again. But really, it's not this turning anything to this. What you get in that moment are the causes that manifest a result at that moment. I'll give you another example. I'm giving you all these examples to try and make sense of what I'm trying to explain to you here. Let's say,
0: a man leaves home, right? And he wants to get somewhere. Along this route, There are people who he'll meet, right? At each of these points, he'll meet people. Hmm. I think this example will make it clear to you. Let's say he leaves home with
2: $100.
0: Okay? By the time he gets here,
2: he has $20 in his
3: pocket
0: in his hand. It took him 30 minutes
2: to get from there to here. Now tell me, was it 30, was it 30 minutes that changed the 100 to a 20? Will 30 minutes with the 100 dollars convert the 100 to a 20? No. So let's think about what might have happened. When he got to this point this man said hey john remember you owe me some money oh yeah man sorry i forgot almost forgot yeah well can i have it now sure how much do i owe you you owe me ten dollars all right okay so now how much is he left with he left with 90. then he keeps going right so he gets to this guy he says hi ah, john i got some something nice for you but i can't give it to you for free uh, you're gonna have to buy it off me what do you got? He said, I got, I don't know, bag of biscuits. How much? $5. I'll have it please. Right, so he gives
0: $5. Now he has 85.
2: Now he carries on, <clears throat> gets to this point. He says, hey John, you are right. Yeah. What's up? No, nothing, I'm just going somewhere. All right, I'll see you later. What changed? Nothing changed.
0: Why did nothing change? Why did the
2: 85 not change to anything at that point? Yes, because there were no causes. On that, there were no causes that there were no causes to change the 85 to anything. That's why it didn't change. All right. Let's carry on. So he comes to this point, and he says, uh, "Hey, John, um, you know I'm your kids' uh, school bus driver." and you haven't paid this month's rent. So are you going to pay it this month's fees? Oh yeah, I'm so sorry, forgot about it. How much? 50, ooh, okay. So he pays $50. Now he's got left with $35. So he's just paid that, and he carries on. And then he meets another guy, right? For some reason, uh, let's say he said, yo, John, you know, the, the, the lottery that we bought the other day together, we want some money on that. Oh, really? How much did we get? 20. Oh, here's your half. 10. I'll keep another 10. Excellent. So now we have 45. Now, dot, 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 dot right? You can tell the story. And then at this point, he comes all the way. Now he has, say, uh, $10 in his hand. When he comes to this point and he comes to me as the last guy, he says, You've gone a long way, right? This is like Monopoly. Then you go, the ro- <laughs> you go on the board, one time they give you $200 as you pass, go, right? So he's give you, right, I'll give you $10, there you go, and now he's left with $20. Now it took him 30 minutes to get from there to this point. From A to B, he traveled, it took him 30 minutes. Is it the 30 minutes that turned the 100 to 20? No, time has nothing to do with this, okay? But you will tell a story. You will say, in 30 minutes, John can show you how to lose
0: $80, okay? Or,
2: really think about what's going on here. How did that 100 become a 20? At each moment, at, at each moment, these individuals that John met along the way had an effect on the causes, had an effect on the effect. Sorry, big one had had an effect on the on the uh, on the result. Let's say each of these individuals that John met along the way had an effect on the on the net result. So each of them along the way, now this guy doesn't need to know how much John has in his hand, does he? Does he know? They don't need to know. They don't need to know. In fact, you know, let's say at this point, this guy says, hey "John, you haven't paid this month's rent." You owe me uh, 200 I say, sorry, man, I haven't, got my, I haven't got any money right now. All right, well, fine. Next time I see you, please make sure you pay your rent. So although he needed $200, John didn't have any money to give him. So therefore, he just passed along. Didn't give him anything. He wouldn't have requested $200 if he knew that John didn't have it on him. My point here being, each of these junctures, right, along the way, they don't need to know what effect they're having on that net result. The fire doesn't know that it's trying to cook rice. It doesn't need to know. It doesn't need to know. Meaning, the fire is not there to serve a specific purpose. It's just fire. That's why the fire burns your finger if you put your finger into it even though it might be that you are the one who lit the fire. I mean, how ungrateful, right? If you think about it, you light the fire and the fire burns your finger. It's not fair, is it? No, but that's because the fire doesn't know it's burning your finger. The fire doesn't need to know because a fire simply does what a fire does. And that's why the fire can't burn certain things because actually the fire is not there to burn. That's why some things won't, it won't burn. You know, if it didn't have, essentially what a fire does is just simply transfer energy, right? If that energy is not something that the object that you put into the fire can sustain, then we'll say that, that it is deformed. And that deformation is what you say is, is burnt. That is how we interpret the world. Along this journey, none of these individuals need to know how much John has in his pocket. They'll simply have their effect on it. on on the amount of money that John has, on John's wallet. They'll simply have their effect on John's wallet. The net result is what you see at the end. In fact, there was a net result all the way. This is simply another juncture just like this one. In fact, you could have stopped the story here. Couldn't you? You could have stopped the story here. You could have stopped the story here. We just chose to continue this story. Just for our sake. But you could have stopped the story anywhere. Because at each of these points, there isn't really a story to tell. All that happened was what happened at that point. This guy is going to go home to see his wife and he'll say, you know what, I met John today. He's not going to talk about what else John did along the way, is he? Why? Because that has no connection to him. In other words, none of the causes along the way need to know what the previous cause did to it means it's not a journey, it's not a story. They're all individual incidents. They're not connected to each other. None of these things are connected to each other. So that's why I say, you know, you born and you dying are not connected to each other. They're not, but you you, you tell a nice story. I was born, I grew up, I grew old, I died. This and this have no connection. This and this have no connection. But when jati happens, now you are connected. How connected? Very connected. Why so? Because you have a future, you have a past. What has a future and what has a past? A being has a future and a being has a past. You know, just look at the word being. It's the continuous form of the word be. Right? So we are human, Beings, yeah, and we are all sentient beings. So now, just think about what that word conveys. Being, you know, a being means I am for over a period of time. That's what to be is, right? I, I be. So you don't say I be. You say I, I am, right? But we be, but you don't say we be. We say we are, right? So, but to be. Absolutely sir, yeah, thank you. To be is is something that happens over a period of time, right? I am means in this present moment, to be is over a period of time. So that's why we call ourselves human beings, because that's what we do. We be. (laughs) Right from the start to the end, we be. So we are being right now. That's why we call ourselves beings. Sentient beings, human beings, Deva beings and Brahma beings, you know, they're all beings, all sentient beings. What is sentientness? If you look at it in the dictionary, what's being sentient means, I mean, you know, this is a really nice word, these two words coming together, the sentient being. Sentience or sentience is to be able to use the senses, right? To, being, to, to be receptive to the senses. The senses are, of course, your faculties eye, ear, nose, tongue, and so on, right? These are your senses. <clears throat> so when you're connected to these senses, now you become sentient. Right? And then when you have to talk, tell us to write a story about how these senses worked over a period of time, now you become a sentient being. That is what we call ourselves a sentient being. Really, this sentient beingness is all down to ignorance in the mind because the mind now has to stitch a story about what happened with the eye, then what happened with the ear, then what happened with the tongue, and then what happened with the nose. That's not how it happened. The eye happened, the ear happened, nose happened, tongue happened. Not one after the other, not one in sequence, not in relation to time, but we have a story to say. So we say, I have been alive for 20 years, 30 years, 40, 60, 80 years. I have been alive. You ask someone, what is this meaning of being alive? It means being aware of what's going on, right? Engaging with the environment, understanding, you know, what's going on in the world, all of this is me being alive. See, you have to be alive. Absolutely. But that's, you know, this is, this is the point. This, this, this entity is a perception that the mind holds. It's not true. It is not something that exists in the outside world. It's not, it's not real, this entity feeling. We feel we are an entity, you know, just like you feel that this is a pen and that's why you feel this cap belongs to this pen. That's why this cap on another pen makes you feel unsettled. You feel this is an entity, meaning this is a fixed object, just as much as you feel the same about yourselves. I'm a being, you'll say. You know, this entity is. I was, I am, and I will be. That is what you call being this fixed entity but now we need to understand why that why is it that this being feeling this perception is lunacy the reason for that is all you know we understand now that all there is is mind and body and body is a manifestation in a given moment right and the mind is a manifestation in a given moment a mind doesn't come into being unless a sound comes into contact with the ear that's why i said knock knock happy birthday That's when you were born. That's when the mind was born. That's when, you know, when a sight comes into contact with the eye, a mind is born. When taste comes into contact with the tongue, a mind is born. When smell comes into contact with the nose, a mind is born. Each mind is unique and it's on its own. Yes, of course, one comes, you know, there's one thought moment that arises and passes away and then you have another one that arises and passes away. But, you know, we draw this like a, you know, like a stream because we, we graph it against time. If you took the time factor out, you wouldn't be able to draw it like that. If you took out time, I mean, you know, think about distance, for instance, right? What is distance after all? It's movement over time. Yeah, so we say, if you, if you, if you chart the journey of something, right? Car starts here, ends here, Right? This is A, this is B, right? And you'll say the distance traveled over time, right? This is the movement over time, is what you'll say is distance traveled. So if they've traveled one kilometer, you'll say you have traveled one kilometer, it took them an hour. You can draw this on a chart, right? If this is distance, this is time. Now you can draw something like this, right? So you're saying over time, distance increased. Now, if you split this up into fine intervals,
0: right, and you take one of these, magnify that, again you will have something like this. Then split it up again. Again you'll
2: have something like this, right? Because as you keep splitting time up into smaller and smaller chunks, whatever motion was experienced, right? Whatever change was experienced, you're going to see it here. You'll always have to talk about change because you're talking in relation to time. When you project time onto a onto an event, you can, you'll always have to see a change in it. You will, you can't help seeing a change in it when you project time. Because that is what we use time for, don't we? Why do we use time? To talk about what?
0: Change. Time is the instrument that allows us to talk about change. That is what time is. Now you see why
2: time is an illusion. Because when we, the reason that we want to talk about change is because we believe in fixed things. And what happened to those fixed things, those fixed entities? when we want to talk about what has happened to a fixed entity now we need an instrument to say over what period of time the rate of change to talk about the rate of change you need time how how much this did this change in comparison to that how much have you aged in comparison to me how much is this young how much has this changed in comparison to this to talk about these two things you need an instrument and that instrument is time. So the mind devises time. The mind comes up with this notion of time and it's possible because jati happens in the mind. Because jati happens in the mind, now it feels that it has been present. And when it feels that it has been present, I was in the past present, I will be in the future present, I am now present. So past, present and future, I will be, was and am present and therefore. I have a story to tell. When we have a story to tell, we have a story about everyone and everything else to tell. That story is what we call life, the story of life. If I was to ask you to come up and stand on stage and say, please, can you give us a story? Your story, write your autobiography, right? Or try, write someone else's biography, right? Give us your story. You're gonna talk about things that happened to you over a period of time, and things that happen to other things and other people over a period of time. That's what you're going to talk about. If you took time out of it, right? Talk about yourself without talking about time, you have nothing to say. All you can talk about is the pachupan. In other words, cause and
0: effect. Sir. Mm.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: because
2: we need you know if if a, so we need to understand that the faculties themselves are manifestations yeah so it's not a fixed i or a year that is waiting for a stimulus of a sound or or sight the eye itself is a manifestation you see all there is is energy and various conversions of energy i mean after all you are all energy that's all you are but energy can take all sh- sorts of shapes and and forms and what we see here you know this is one manifestation of energy this is another manifestation of energy But then again, you can't say that this is the energy of this object and this is the energy of this object. That is not so. They're not fixed. This is simply energy intact right now in this configuration, right? So the gentleman's question is, we know that for a chitta to be born, sound comes and it has to come into contact with the ear. Now, let's say a man lives for eighty years and then in the last moment, of their life, right? Their ear, sound comes into contact, a chitta is born and now the ear collapses. The I don't mean this ear, the ear as a receptive uh, faculty collapses. So where, how how is the next chitta born? This becomes a problem if you see the ear as being a fixed entity that was always been present, waiting for sound to come into contact with it. Think of it in these terms. Both sound and ear are manifestations at that moment. So if the ear itself is a manifestation, there was no ear yesterday, it's not the same ear today. I'm using the word ear and it <laughs> sounds very similar to the period ear. So I'm, I'm, let's take the eye. Okay, it's not this eye that was present in the previous moment. It's not this eye that saw a sight previously, and then an I that sees a sight now, and an eye that's going to see a sight in the next moment. This eye itself is a manifestation. Manifestations don't have a period of time to be manifested. They don't manifest over a period of time because time is is it's irrelevant, and and actually it's you know it's not true. It's it's simply as I said a projection of the mind to explain events that have taken place in relation to each other. That's when you want to talk about time. When things have no relation to each other, when each circumstance is on its own, when each incident is a unique and isolated incident, now you can't talk about change, now you don't need time to explain it. When you don't need time to explain it, now you become timeless. The phenomenon of timelessness, is that so the ear or the eye or the nose or the body or whatever are simply manifestations of the causes present I'm not going to say at that time because that's going to confuse again nothing is a manifestation of the causes present at that time let's cut that at that time out for a second for a second (laughs) what you see are not the causes that manifest at this time let's take out at this time part Okay, I'm going to write it out on the board. Uh, so difficult to explain this. Only because it's a very abstract concept and we are using a language that was not designed to talk about this. That is a problem here. A language was constructed to talk about beings, right? Uh, human beings and sentient beings. <laughs> it was there to talk about things that happen over a period of time, about the future, the past and the present. That's the first thing you learn when you learn grammar, right? <laughs> this is the present tense, then there's the future tense and then there was the past tense and then present continuous and past continuous, right? past participles and all this, it is all to talk with time. So we, when you try to explain a concept that is timeless, but you have to use language, which is all time bound, that's when you come across this headache. Right, uh, what was I going to say?
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, let's say, uh, this, Pen is a manifestation of the causes present at this moment in time. I'm going to take out all this. Now, read that line. This pen is a manifestation of the causes present. That is Pachupan.
2: Think of this present as present, not present at this moment in time, just present. So,
0: what about the next moment?
2: No, no, no. The future, let's say, okay, so in the next moment. Okay, sorry, I drew the, drew the arrow the wrong way. You're right, sir. Right, next moment. Again, it's, it's a present, right? In the future. So, you know, yesterday's f- tomorrow is today, right? And tomorrow's, today's tomorrow is tomorrow's today, meaning there's always only today. There's always only today. That today can be yesterday if it was the day before, that today can be tomorrow if it's tomorrow, but it's always only today. Nothing ever happened yesterday. Nothing ever happens tomorrow. Things always happen when? Today. Yeah? But when we can talk about yesterday, because we have this thing called, wonderful thing called memory. But in memory, what you have are really photographs of of the present. I mean, you know, of the present then. The then present we can now go back to. Right? And we can recall the present then in the present now. And we can talk about the present tomorrow. The present of tomorrow in the present. So there's always only the present. So again, now if there's always only the present, why do we need a future? And why do we need to talk about the past? There's no need for that because there's always only the present. The future and the past are simply creations. These are you know, these are figments of our, I'm not going to say imagination, but you know, it's, the, it's, it's, it's how we relate a story about present moments. They've always only been present moments. But you know, we feel as human beings, we need to tell a story. You know, we all like a story. And we all like to feel connected with each other and the places we've been, the things we've done, right? Who we've talked to, who we've spent time with. But because they're not happening in the present moment, so for example, you know, maybe you want to say about your, your school friend, your, your friend from school, right? You're not with your friend from school right now, but you want to feel that connection to them. So you'll say, I met my school friend, my friend from school yesterday. I bumped into him. But that didn't happen yesterday. That actually happened at that moment. Now you're talking about it because you took a snap of it and it's in memory. You're accessing that memory in the present. See, everything only happens in the present. Even when you foretell the future, you're also doing that in the present. When you talk about the past, you're also doing that in the present. What's happening in the present is happening in the present anyhow. So really, all there is, is the present. Then you don't need time. If there's only the present, why do you need time? Hmm? If there's only the present, you don't need time. Because there's only the present to talk about. Now, this pen is a manifestation of the causes Present, not time, available, but in that, in that sense, present in the sense of available, right? But we talk about at that time, present at that time meaning present in the past or will be present in the future. Really what's going on is it's always at present at that time, at that moment. But this pen always looks like a pen. See, two minutes ago, it looks just the same like it, did, it does now, right? And two minutes from now, most likely, it will look just the way it does now. So why is that then? Same causes. That's why. Not because it's the same pen, but because it's the same causes. You, how did you light a fire yesterday? You brought the causes together. Right? Flammable objects, temperature, and oxygen. How do you light a fire today? Same thing. How do you light a fire tomorrow? Same thing. Is it the same fire? No, it's always the same causes. The same causes will always give rise to the same result or the same effect. So that's why all there is in this world is cause and effect. Not the same thing over a period of time. It's always cause and effect. When the causes are present, the effect manifests. Again, when the causes are present, the effect manifests. When causes are present, effect manifests. When the mind wishes to project a story, now the mind will say, causes were present yesterday and therefore an effect manifested yesterday. Causes are present today, therefore the effect manifests today. Causes are present tomorrow, will be present tomorrow and therefore the effect will manifest tomorrow. That's what's really going on. But what you'll say is, the fire we lit yesterday is still burning and I believe it will be burning till tomorrow. Now you see a fire that was there from yesterday to tomorrow. That's not what's going on. Which is why as soon as you cut out the oxygen, the fire dies. Because the fire can no longer survive. The moment you take out one of the causes, the fire will die then. Then and there it will die. So why, why does that happen if it's yesterday's fire then? If the fire is meant to last till tomorrow, then taking out oxygen is not going to kill the fire today, is it? If it's yesterday's fire and it's meant to last till tomorrow, then you can't take out the oxygen or run out of uh, wood and the fire is not going, to, not going to burn out. But it does because in each moment, right? In each moment, what you see are the, are the causes that bring into effect a manifestation. That's what's going on. Now, why do we talk about this principle? I want you to think of yourselves in these terms. You'll feel that you were there yesterday, you are here today, and you'll be here tomorrow. You'll feel that you are 60 years of age maybe, and you'll say, I have been alive for 60 years, I've got another 20 or so to go at the very least, right? Look at me, I'm a a, a human being, I've been a very successful person. Look at me, I'm I'm alive, I'm kicking, and I'm in the pink of my health. You're talking about a sentient being, such a thing never existed. And as once you start talking about yourself in those terms, you will project that feeling to others, to other aggregates of name and form. You'll project that to this. You'll project that to this. You'll project it to everything here you see. And then you'll start talking about stories. You'll, you'll, start, you know, you'll start talking about life and all the things that happen in your life. Such a thing doesn't exist. There are simply causes that are present. And again present. And again present. And again, present. When there are causes present, you have a result that is present, that is is manifested. That's all there is. This connection that you have between each of these are simply your projections onto the outside world. And what happens when you project them? Now you have expectations. That's what happens. Just like when you project pen to this, now this has to be a pen for as long as you want it to be a pen. It's not here to be a pen for as long as you want it to be a pen. It's a pen for as long as there are causes that manifest this as a pen. But when you think of this as a pen, now you have a timeline for this. You want this to be a pen whenever you want it to be a pen. When do you want it to be a pen? When you want to write. Huh? When, when you want it to be a paperweight, it doesn't need to be a pen at that time, does it? Say you've got the fan on, right? you've got some papers on your desk, right? and it's, it's going to start blowing in the wind. Not blowing in the wind, that blowing in the wind. <laughs> not Bob, Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney. When you, want, when you want to stop it from blowing, what would you do? You put the pen on it. Is it a pen at that time? It's a paperweight. Now what do you expect of it? To be a paperweight, not a pen. Now what if it, now, now when you want it to be a paperweight, if you put it on the pen and it starts flowing, uh, and it's it's blown with the you know with with the with the fan with the with the wind that comes from the fan now what would you say it's useless right at that time it's it's useless because what you project onto it it doesn't serve again disappointment of expectations see that's what happens disappointment of expectations so you see expectations will only be there when you project these manifestations to serve what you believe they do. You project those expectations onto, onto the outside world. When you see, say if you uh, met a, a beggar on the street, okay, you're on your way to work, you got your packed lunch with you, and you think, right, oh, I, I want to help someone out today. And as you pass, walk on the street, you see a poor man, you see a beggar. <clears throat> now you feel, I want to give him my lunch. So you take your lunch out of your bag right, and you give it to him. He takes it out and he, he has another bag next to him. So he takes that bag out right? and he puts your lunch into that bag. Now you're curious, what the heck might he be doing? I, I, I gave him to eat, it's lunchtime, now he should be eating it. Why is he putting it into his bag? So you take a, a closer look and you see that he's got lots of lunch packets. <laughs> So what he does is he actually sells them (laughs) to other people. Okay, now tell me, how do you feel about that? You feel that you've been tricked? You've been fooled? You may not like what you've just seen. right? Because what did you expect that man to be? A beggar. You expected that man to be hungry, so they have to be hungry. You expected that man to be a poor man, so they have to be a poor man. See, you want to relieve them from from poorness. <laughs> huh? You want to give them something so that they don't have to suffer, but you don't like it that they're not a beggar now. Do you see how there's a conflict? Huh? You, see, you see a poor man, you, see, you think he has no money, for instance, right? and you give him some money hmm? and he, he pulls his wallet out. Right? In there you see several thousand dollar <laughs> thousand rupee notes. Right? And uh, say you gave him uh, 500 rupees, he puts it in his wallet, he says, thank you, he puts it back into his pocket and he walks away. What, you, what might you feel of doing right now? Hey, come back here. <laughs> give me back my money. I'll ask you a question. Why did you give him that money? Because you want him to be what? Not be poor, right? You, you, want, him to, you want to relieve him of his poverty, right? He's not poor now. You just realize he's not poor. And that's un- that unsettles you, doesn't it? See, <laughs> oh, the irony of it. You know, you only want to help a poor man. And if he's not poor, you don't want to help him. In other words, when you see a poor man, he's got to be a poor man. If, you're, if you come to learn that he's not poor, you don't like him.
0: That's because you project that onto him.
2: That poorness you project onto him. Now he has to be poor. If he's not poor, you feel that you've been tricked. He didn't trick you. Did you ask him, can you show me your wallet please before I give you this money? No, he never tricked you. He just came and asked for some money. You you tricked yourself. Because you tricked yourself into thinking that this is a poor man. So you projected that onto this guy, right? and now his conduct has to be has to be keeping with your expectations. Now you don't care what he's really like, you need him to be poor. You need him to be poor. I mean, why did you give him the money then? (laughs) Yeah, exactly my point. You know, if you want to relieve him of of his poverty, right? then you should be pleased, you should be delighted that he's got money. But no, when he pulls his wallet out and you see there's lots of money in there, you're disappointed now. (laughs) Now you're disappointed. Why is that? Because you want him to be poor. Because you wanted to help a what man? A poor man. And he's not poor. Now you don't like that. Huh? You wanted to help a hungry man. <laughs> huh? You realize he's not, he's not hungry. Then you're not happy about that because you wanted to help a hungry man. See, always you you project these expectations, imagining them to be fixed entities. You project them outside. That's why, you know, if you, if you took a mug and you poured something into it and it started uh, uh, leaking, that upsets you. Because if it's a mug, it has to behave like a mug. Meaning a mug must always hold the water that you put into it. I'm not just talking about knowledge. Knowledge, yes, we know that a mug has to hold water. I'm talking about the disappointment that you experience. That is not because of knowledge. It's not a problem with knowledge. An Arahant would still pour water into a mug, the same as you would. But... If that water started to spill, though it started to leak, he's got no problem with that because he understands that all their are manifestations. If you came into this room and sat on that chair and the moment you sat it, it you, you fell down, you collapsed, right, you got a problem with that because you expect it to be a chair. You expect the chair to hold your weight. So when you, when you sit on it and you collapse, right, now you are disappointed. You're not just complaining about the pain that you felt when your bottom hit the floor. That's not what you're complaining about. Yes, partly, but what bothers you more is that your expectation that this piece of furniture has to be a chair has been crashed. Your expectation has been, has been crashed. That's what happened. See, why does that happen? Because you project these expectations. This is how you have expectations set on your relations. Your son has to perform a certain way. Right, he has to get good grades in class, doesn't he? And he has to be virtuous. Your daughter has to be well behaved. Huh? No, rela- no, 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 uh, hanky panky. Hmm? No, no girlfriends, no boyfriends in their young age. You know, they shouldn't be like that. Why? That is. These are your projections. When you project them, now you you set yourself up for disappointment. But you can't stop yourself from projecting it because. That is the image that you have as Upadana. That is what you cling on to. These are called the Upadana Rupa. The clinging aggregates. You can't help that. When you put your glasses on, you, should, you expect to be able to see the world better. And if it, if it doesn't work out like that, now you're disappointed. Because if it's a great pair of glasses, you should be able to see. When you walk in front of a mirror, you should be able to see your reflection. And if you don't, you're disappointed. Why? Because it's a mirror. And what must a mirror do? Reflect. I'm not just talking about knowledge. Okay, I'm not talking about knowledge. Ask an Arahant, what does a mirror do? He'll tell you it reflects. But he understands that reflection is simply a manifestation if the causes are present. If it doesn't reflect, that's because there are no causes present. But we don't see it like that. We believe that this is a mirror, it's a mirror, it's a mirror. And if it's a mirror, it has to reflect. In fact, you use the word mirror to talk about an object that reflects. So if it's an object that reflects, if you expect it to reflect, you will say it's a mirror. Now, again, coming back to why I'm talking to you about this, start to understand yourselves through this lens.
0: One of the places where...
2: People I see suffer a lot of time a lot of the time is where especially when they feel something that they know they shouldn't. Okay, so maybe someone gets angry, for instance, right? Excuse me. If someone gets angry and if they're a practitioner of the Dhamma, they are focused, they are, they are keen on their nibbana, their salvation, that can be a real downer for them. A real disappointment for them. Because they think to themselves, I am someone who is on the path to Nibbana, so anger is not something that I should be experiencing. What you are doing again is you set yourself into a mould. You are seeing you as an entity. Anger is not you and neither are you anger. It was just a chitta that was born, which had anger as an attribute. If that chitta passed away, if that chitta once that chitta passes away, that's the end of that story. There's nothing else after that. So, but we think about the past and we think to ourselves, you know, I I I got angry yesterday, I must be a terrible person. Right? I felt lustful yesterday, I must be a terrible person. I I desired, I wanted to go have that ice cream. I must be a terrible person. I haven't understood the Dhamma. What is this? What is this all about? This nonsense. This is because the moment that that experience has has been felt, now that clashes with your projection of yourself. That's why when you walk in front of the mirror, you look at yourself in the mirror and you are disappointed because you have the the freckles maybe or the pimples or you have the grey hair right? These are all things that you don't like, but when you see it on you, now you're disappointed in much the same way. If you feel anger, you feel lust, you feel desire, you feel ego, sometimes maybe, right? If you start to see yourself as a personification of that, of that feeling, if you start to see yourself, if you mould yourself into that, now you have shifted from mindful awareness about yourself to
0: What's the opposite of mindful? Mindless. What's the opposite of awareness?
2: Being unaware? Mindless unawareness? It's no point being aware. So it's no point being mindful if you're not aware. Awareness of what? Awareness of the truth. Yeah, that's why I, I right at the start I asked you, you know, what's the point of being mindful if you're not aware? Yeah? If you're not aware, you're walking into a trap. What's the point of focusing on it? You imagine someone's just you know, dug a hole in the ground right? and they've covered it up with some branches. Right? You're mindful of it and you walk into it. You're mindful you're not focusing on anything else. You, you've got your eyes set on that and you just keep walking towards that. What's going to happen to you? You're going to fall into that pit and maybe die. Yeah. But awareness is knowing that that's a pit you're walking into. Which one is more important do you think? Being mindful or being aware? Being aware, of course. Being aware is more important. Once you become aware, now mindfulness is useful. That's when you can really utilize mindfulness if you're aware. That's why samma ditti is what I believe to be awareness. Samma sati as mindfulness. Samma sati comes. After samadhi, in the noble eightfold path, you need samadhi first. Samadhi, samma sankappa, samma vacha, samma kammanta, samma vayama, ajiva, samma sati, samma samadhi. Yeah. So you need to have awareness before you start going into mindfulness. Without awareness, mindfulness on its own is pointless. If you see this pen as a pen. You can keep looking at this pen and expecting it to be a pen for a hundred years. All you'll be is disappointed. But you'll be entirely focused on this and you'll be completely mindful that this is a pen. You'll never think that this is a cat. You'll always think this is a pen. Is that, is that awareness? That's not awareness, but that is mindfulness. Don't you think crazy people are mindful? They're, all they are are mindful. If you go into the uh, you know, asylums, mental asylums right you know all all day long they'll be talking about the same thing you know one person might be there rubbery uh, rubbery tree, rubbery tree, rubbery 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 rubber that's all they'll be saying they're mindful but they're not aware so focus on yourselves now again you know i'm stuck here because i have to use the word self okay but Focus on what you are. You know, turn that lens around like this, you know, metaphorically speaking, right? Turn that lens around, look at yourself. See what you are. Don't see who you are. See what you are. You are a manifestation of body. You are a manifestation of mind. That is all you are. But in addition to that, there is also a manifestation of ignorance, an attachment and the manifestation of jati. So if the mind runs like this, there's also a jati that runs alongside. It's like two streams that run parallel to each other. One has to stop. One will stop. The has to stop is the jati, which you have to do something about. Once you start fighting with ignorance and attachment, that's why I said this is a battlefield, right? And the Dhamma is your weapon. Right? Once you start waging that war, one of these will stop. The jati will stop. And then the other will continue until it's run its course. So one is the sōpādiśesa nibbana. The other is the anupādiśesa nibbana. What is the sōpādiśesa nibbana? Your freedom from suffering. Suffering being jāti. Jāti being dukkha. Dukkha being this projection of fixed entities, beingness onto manifestations that exist in the world. But as long as you do that, you can't break yourself from these expectations that you hold. I'm going to give you a task as a bit of homework. See if you can try and do some of it over the course of next week. Right? Over the course of next week, try and be aware and mindful about instances where you set expectations on things. On the little, on the slight, simplest things to the bigger things in life. A simple expectation can be as you take a glass of water, right? You expect to be able to drink from it, don't you? That's why if you put it to your mouth, right, and you get no water out of it, or you take a, uh, a juice box, put a straw into it, and you, and you suck, and there's nothing coming out of it, you're disappointed. See with those expectations. When you walk in, when you try to walk into the washroom or go, go through a door and you, you try and turn the knob and it doesn't open, you will sense that expectation. When you're trying to turn the ignition of your car and it doesn't switch on, you will feel that expectation. You will, you will identify that expectation. Huh? When you try to uh, eat something and it's not what you wanted it to taste, you will feel that expectation. In fact, you know you can go as minute as you want to as macro as you want. Right? The fact that when you breathe in, you feel that you should be able to breathe. Right? When you inhale, You feel that you should be able to inhale, right? That is your expectation. Because you have projected the ability to breathe onto yourself. So you should be able to breathe. Really? Says who? Because one day, you're not going to be able to do it. That is not why you shouldn't expect it today. That is a false notion. You know, one day you're not going to be able to get up on your two feet, so therefore don't expect it. That's not what I'm saying. That's just, you know, that's just baby talk. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is even today your expectation of being able to or thinking that you should be able to get onto your two feet is wrong because what you don't see are causes in the present. What you see is I have my legs and they should work because legs should walk. They should work. When I stand up, I should be able to stand up. When I walk, I should be able to walk. Yeah. When I eat, I should be able to eat. When I put stuff into my mouth, I should be able to digest. See, all these expectations you've set on yourself when you open your mouth and you try to say something, you should be able to say it, right? Expectations. When you lift your arm up, it has to go up, doesn't it? Expectations. Why? Because what do arms have to do? Go up. What is your body? Why do you go to the doctor and, and complain? Doctor, my arm's not working because I used to be able to turn it and it doesn't turn now. What are you complaining about? Yes, your expectations are not being fulfilled. Why? Because if it's an arm, if it's a shoulder, it has to be able to turn because it's a ball and a circle joint, so it has to turn. If it doesn't turn, then my projections are not working out, doctor. That's what you're saying. So then the doctor should say, "Don't come here. Go to Jetharanaram." <laughs> so try and be mindful of those instances where you set your projections onto things and they don't work out. You can do it, you know, with the bigger things like your children, uh, your your spouse, your car, your you know your workplace. Right? When you set those expectations and they don't work, instead of trying to fix the problem outside. Do that if you must, but do please take a moment back and reflect. Become mindfully aware at that moment. This is mindful awareness. Become mindfully aware at that moment and ask yourself, why is it that I have set these expectations on here? Is it it not because I see a fixed entity? Sankara becomes a fixed entity's attribute. That's what happens. Hmm? This is a sankara. Being able to lift your arm up is a Sankara, but it becomes an attribute of a fixed entity when Jati happens. Sanya is a fixed is, is an attribute, but it becomes an attribute of a fixed entity when Jati happens. That's why this becomes a pen in your mind. This is a pen only in your mind, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how much you understand the depth of what I'm trying, trying to explain to you. I, if I have to explain this to you, for a hundred years I'll do it until you get it, right? I'm trying to explain to you something so profound, but I, have to only, I only have access to the words that I have. This pen becomes a pen only in your mind, because that is a sanya, it's recognition. You project it onto this pen, and now this has to be a pen to you. When you want this to be a pen, it has to be a pen. When you want this to be a paperweight, it has to be a paperweight. When you want this to be a toy, it has to be a toy. In other words, what this is, I have to ask you.
0: You decide what this is. We'll discuss again later. That's all the time we have today.
2: Do as much merits as you possibly can. It is merits that will help you figure out all this. It is because of your merits you get to hear this, but it's also because of your merits you will be able to understand it. Comprehension is a faculty. It's a faculty of wisdom. And that is a, again, it's a manifestation. Right? Your wisdom is itself is a manifestation. So the faculty to understand manifestations is a manifestation because all there is are manifestations. There's nothing else. <laughs> Make sense? Well, good, because sense is a manifestation. All right, so just to remind you again, we have a sermon next week, but not the week after because we have an ordination ceremony. And I, this is an invitation to all of you to come along and rejoice in the merits uh, of the day. Uh, so if you have something booked up on the day, see if you can make yourself available and come and join us for that wonderful location. All right, let's take a moment then to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem and chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in the receipt and the law of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasikas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and have passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves to the betterments of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer these maids to Guru Swami Nuhansi as well as all the teachers resident at the monastery, to the Anagarikas and the Anagarika communities attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these talks, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may it, by the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woful plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, may through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nirvana. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who contributed to the construction of the monastery to those who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. And may through the power of these merits, they
3: abstain from any unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu.
2: Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us and assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nirvana. sadhu, so, sadhu, so, sadhu. So. Let us take a moment to transform this to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the saka devas, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sasana. Let us transform this to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer these mails to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey of samsara and to those who have helped us, supported us and assisted us along the way. Let us transfer these mails to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation and may all those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us transfer mails to all those who have lost their lives in national calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides, blizzards, pandemics and so on. Reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in sansara, Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. And may through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the no- noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of so, so, so. And finally, let us all resolve that may through the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we will be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may by the power of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an Arahatun Mahanse, an Arahat Teranin Mahanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. And the members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their blessings to you. <clears throat>
3: RAGA GINNEN MIDATMVA DESHA GINNEN MIDATMVA MOHA GINNEN MIDATMVA NIBBANA PARANA SUKHAYAN SUKHITA TARA VETMVA nibana parema sukhayin Sukhita tarah vitmvah Mamad sialu loka sialu satmvayom nibana parema sukhayin Sukhita tarah vitmvah Nibbana param Sukhaya Sukhita Tara Vedva Nibbana Parama Sukhaya Sukhita Tara Vedva Raga Gini Desha Gini Niveva Moha Gini Niveva Nivan Sapa Labheva Nivan Sapa Labheva Nivan Sapa Labheva तुम रोने अनंत महागुण बलें सेरु लोक सेरु सात्यों में